As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Welcome back to Not Your Mother's Podcast. Today we are talking to Dr. Laura Froyen. She is an incredible human being here sharing some wisdom and words about self-compassion. This is a big buzzword. We hear a lot about it, but... What does it really mean? How do you really embody this? What are Why would we even want to have self-compassion? And what are the roadblocks along the way that keep us from really actually stepping into this strength that will allow us to then parent with more compassion as well? Enjoy the podcast. Hey, to all our toddler mamas out there, we have a new workshop from Raising Children You Like called Decoding the Tantrum. This is an incredible hour-long workshop that will take you through understanding the main reasons why our children are tantruming, and then eight calming strategies to understand what to do for the different reasons why they might be having that tantrum. And then two techniques to calm yourself because we all know calming ourselves in these moments is crucial. So the bottom line is our children are tantruming because they are trying to tell us something, communicate something through their behavior. And when we don't understand what that behavior is telling us, we might think, gosh, they just wanted a different color bowl and they threw a tantrum. So I don't really know how to meet that need. We're going to take you through a step-by-step process of understanding what the different unmet needs are. And we're not talking about ice cream here. We're talking about their unmet need for connection or sensory play or Maybe it's sleep or maybe it's independence. We take you through how to meet those needs, eight strategies for diffusing your child's tantrum, and then two strategies to calm yourself in the middle of it. This hour-long workshop is a game changer, truly. Just go to raisingchildrenyoulike.com forward slash workshop to check it out, find out more information there. Cannot wait to hear how you love it. Again, that's raisingchildrenyoulike.com forward slash workshop. We're not experts, we're moms just like you. We did the research, we read the books, we joined the clubs, and the more we learned about motherhood, the more we realized how many things aren't talked about publicly. This podcast is for you if you're looking for answers to match your experience, you ever feel frustrated with mom life and feel like you're doing it wrong, you're looking for your mama tribe that gets you, you feel misunderstood and overwhelmed with people's opinions, or maybe you just want a better understanding of what the heck is going on. Bottom line is you're not alone. We also know that there's so much information on the internet and it can be overwhelming when you're searching for answers. 
So we've sought some of the best experts in their field to give you actionable sound bites, insight, and support that you can immediately implement into your life. We're here to do it together. Let's get dirty and real and raw. Let's talk about it all. My name is Sonnet. And I'm Veronica. And welcome to Not Your Mother's Podcast. Dr. Laura Froyen has her PhD in human development and family studies with a specialization in couple and family therapy. Laura combines trauma-informed practices with the latest in child development research to help families find more peace, calm, and connection. She teaches conscious parenting and communication with heaping doses of grace and compassion through her podcast, The Balanced Parent, and her courses and programs. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's so nice to chat with you. I know we're so excited. We were on your podcast and it was such a great conversation to have over there. And now we get to share your expertise with our audience. So we're so grateful that you made the time to be here today. Oh, thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit more about your personal life and what led you to start working with couples and, you know, working this with whole conscious parenting journey? Yeah. Well, first of all, I am a mom and a wife. I have two kiddos. They are eight and a half and six. And when I was pregnant with my six-year-old, I was in a car accident. I happened to have just gotten my dream job at a university. I was a professor. I was researching how parents, how family processes, things like marital conflict and family emotional environment influence child development. And so I was doing a lot of great work. And then I was in this car accident and I I realized it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. (laughs) I couldn't stay balanced. I couldn't If I threw myself into my work, there wasn't enough left over of me for my kids. And if I focused on my kids and my family, then I started slipping in work and it just was not working. It was unsustainable. And so I realized at the same time that I really missed working with families. I had been a clinical therapist and this new job was just research focused and I really missed families. I don't know if you know a lot about the research world, but when we're doing a really cool cutting edge research, it actually takes years to get into the hands of parents, the parents who need it most, who are struggling with their kids right now. And that was just not okay with me anymore. So I left my job as a professor and I started working directly with parents again. I started teaching online. I I have a podcast, The Balanced Parent, um, where I geek out about child development and conscious communication and helping families have more healthy relationships with the people that matter most to them, their kids, their partners, and themselves. Beautiful. (laughs) I love your story and just like the depth of that pivoting point for you and where, you know, it's like we all kind of have that wake up call in a way or Mm -hmm. just kind of really getting clear on how we're going to move forward with our priorities. And also that you were in doing that kind of research because that's so fascinating to learn that it takes a couple of years to hit you know, for us to get it as parents. And by that time, our children are older and we really needed it like in that moment so that you're in, you know, you're in the field helping parents in real time. What would you say is one of the unsaids that you see in the work that you do that really impacts the balancing act that you're sharing here? I think parents are incredibly hard on themselves. I think we work really hard. We're, especially the folks who are listening to your podcast, 
they were really working hard to make big changes in not just their own family, but in their family's trajectory. We're working for intergenerational change here, right? And and that's a big job. There, we're doing a lot of work, and it can feel really urgent. And when we're making changes, and we make normal mistakes that parents make you know, every day, that humans make, I think we can be really hard on ourselves. And it's there's this tension. There's this place where parents are learning to be more respectful, conscious in their discipline with their kids, and at the same time, as they're learning these new skills. They aren't applying them to themselves as they are learning those new skills. They they are keeping using the same punitive methods that may, they maybe grew up with, harsh language with themselves, blame, mm. shame, judgment, and guilt in their self-talk as they are learning these new skills, things that they would never say to the to their kids. They still use the kind of the old parenting paradigm on themselves as they are making those changes. And so I think that this is something that doesn't get talked about nearly enough that we really, if we want to make lasting change with our in our parenting and how we show up with our kids, we have to also at the same time be applying those changes and how we show up with ourselves. Mm. So, so what do you think the disconnect is? I think that we, you know, lots of the parents that I work with have grown up in homes where they somehow got the message through, you know, I mean, most of you know, most of the parents I work with had great parents for the most part. You know, made some mistakes, some human errors, but somewhere along the line, most of us get the message that we're unworthy or that if we aren't perfect, if we don't do things just right, we'll lose love. And the way to mm. change that, the way to make sure that that doesn't happen is through punitive techniques. You know, this is the parent, like the mainstream parent paradigm that, that in order for kids to learn to do better, they need some kind of punishment or consequence that it's some kind of pain to show them, to teach them so that they don't make that mistake again. And so then when we are parenting and we, it's full on, I know you, you both have little ones, mine are older, but it, it doesn't get easier. It just gets different. And then we make a, a a human mistake. We speak to ourselves in that same language that our parents spoke to us in, and and in the language that we, de- you know, that internal voice that we developed growing up. And we know we're not supposed to do that with our kids. And I think that yeah, the big disconnect. Sorry, this was a long roundabout answer, but the big disconnect is is that we don't think we are worthy of grace and compassion because mm. our experience growing up was that we are not. And so we, mm. it's easy for us to look at our kids and say, oh my gosh, they're little, they're learning, they're brand new to this world. Of mm. course, they're deserving of grace. Of course, they're worthy of compassion. And we forget that we're new too. We were babies. We were when we were two. We didn't know what we were doing. We we were just just as deserving of grace and compassion, and that doesn't go away. I think if I, you ask parents to take a look at your kid and look at them, and ask yourself, look at your sweet child. You're holding them in your arms, and ask yourself, at what point in their life will they no longer be worthy of grace, compassion, empathy, and respect? Just ask yourself that at what point will they no longer be worthy of that? Oh my God. Never, right? right? Never. Yeah. And so if it's true for your kids, why isn't, why isn't that true for you? If it's the same, it's, it's just as true for yourself as it is for your kids. 
And that, like, that's so hard. (laughs) Even if you're not, even if you don't think that you're trying to be a conscious parent, like just because how you said earlier, you know, you think that you need to punish your child, they have to learn this consequence. And that pattern is what you're teaching them that they're not worthy of your patience, that they're, that they're not worthy of your explanation of what you expect from them. You go sit in the, in the room by yourself. I'm going to spank you because you deserve it because you hit somebody else. So I need to show you what that feels like. You know, it's like you do these things unconsciously yet your answer would be if you ask like, when are, do they stop being worthy of love? Like, it would, you would still answer it, even though you're not treating them that way. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like unconscious parenting. It's like when you don't ask questions, when you don't stop to reflect it, this is how the patterns keep being passed on. If you don't just stop and think about what you're doing, how the end result of unconscious parenting is people that don't feel seen, people that don't feel worthy, you know? And it's like, that's, that's why you, are aware. That's why you're changing the cycles because you become a person that doesn't value your own life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I mean, and, and so much compassion, I think probably from all three of us going out to parents who are struggling, who, who find themselves in unconscious moments. It happens to the best of us. I call them train wreck moments. You know, like when a train, like I've never seen a train wreck, but I can imagine like it's happening in front of your eyes and you just can't look away and there's nothing you can do and it's happening. That happens to me too. Think words fall out of my mouth. Don't say no to your mother. That's a big one that I'm working so hard to get out of my vocabulary. You know, but the words fall out. There are moments of unconsciousness for all of us. And mm-hmm. you know, and with the work that you that you all are recommending people do, that I help people do, we get better and better at recognizing, whoops, I'm triggered. I'm in a moment where I'm about to say something unconscious and I'm going to stop and pause and choose something different and not go from my default and go from active choice. But sometimes that realization and that awareness happens afterwards. And even then, even when you've had those unconscious moments where you have been punitive, where you have had reactions that you look back on and you have that warm wash of shame come up, mm. even then you're still worthy of compassion and grace. Mm. Mm. Oh, I love that wow. so much. And that's so, <clears throat> well, first of all, it is truly an unsaid. It's not spoken about nearly enough because it's like shift the way you're speaking for your children and being present for your children, but like keep whipping yourself until you get it right. And it's like, you really can't model be that for your children until you can turn it on yourself too. And I feel like that is the missing link. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. how do you practice compassion for your child? How do you have empathy? How do you, you know, meet them where they're at? And, and how do you have self-care so you can fill your own cup? But all of that is missing this link of, like you have to feel that you have to use those same practices upon yourself. And I just really love that you've highlighted it in such a way that is like a light bulb moment because, okay, let me fill my cup. Okay. Let me do some good things for myself. But you still have this thing in the back of your mind, like only until like, as long as it's within the parameters of what is acceptable, what is acceptable for me, however comfortable I am for receiving. And until we're really in that healthy space, we can't even show up for our children fully because we're modeling to them something different than what we're telling them. So Mm -hmm. how, what does that look like to start practicing self-compassion? 
and start like I feel like that's a big buzzword. People talk about it and yet to actually do it, you come up against so much resistance. How do you push how do you gently move through that? Yeah. And not so, just stop when you hit that space. Yeah. So I think curiosity is a big thing. I think curiosity is the biggest superpower parents can have and this applies to whether it's in a partner relationship, in you know, your work with friends and with kids and with yourself. So getting really curious about that. When you you know, say maybe a self-compassion affirmation over yourself and you don't really believe it. There's that resistance, mm-hmm. that kind of yuck feeling. And you know what, when I work with clients and we do self-compassion meditations, about half of them don't believe it. And they're so skeptical as they are doing it. And then the other half start crying because they feel like they're so unworthy of mm-hmm. receiving that self-compassion. So you're not alone if you ha- are feeling that like, okay, yeah, that's great for everybody else. Everybody else is worthy of self-compassion, but not me. I'm unique in, in my, you know, in my unworthiness of compassion. Right. right. right? You know, so one of the principles of self-compassion that doesn't get talked about nearly enough is common humanity and common humanity. That principle really focuses on that. You are not unique. You are just like everybody else. Mm. You make mistakes, Mm. you suffer, you have pain, and just like everybody else, you're worthy of compassion. Mm. And, and so like that principle of common humanity can be like reminding yourself of that. Yep. It's really hard to receive compassion right now. I like cultivating a lot of self-talk. So curiosity and just getting a little like, what is that resistance about? Where did I first get that idea that I might not be worthy of compassion? Where, where did that start coming in? Where it's because it's this very nebulous thing. Like, where did I get that idea that I was somehow more unworthy than the rest of the world? Like, where did it where did it come from? And I mean, sometimes people have very specific memories of their childhood, and sometimes people have no memories of their childhood, and and you don't need it because mm. most of us, though, we, most of us come came out of our childhood with some sense of who we are, our place in the world and our worthiness, our lovability. And we don't need specific memories to start working with that and questioning that. Like, huh. And so is that really true? Am I inherently unworthy of love? Like, was it all my fault? Was it some lack in me? Or was it that I had caregivers who who didn't have support, who didn't know, who had their own wounds that they were working through? Was it all a miscommunication? You know, when my my dad was criticizing my tennis swings, was he really trying to help me and not actually communicate that he thought I wasn't good enough? You know, like, it, was, it, was it really just a miscommunication? So just getting curious and really evaluating what is the narrative here? What is the story I'm telling myself? And is it actually helping me? So... Mm. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm going in a lot of different places, but yeah, I mean that, so the curiosity gives you the story that you're currently telling yourself. And we tell ourselves stories all the time. We have about 60,000 thoughts a day that just run in the background that we're completely unaware of. And this is, gets to the point, I think Veronica, it was you that was mentioning this, that we, we can't, really go for lasting change in our overt actions with our children if we have this running commentary in our background that is reinforcing the old parenting paradigm, right? Mm -hmm. So if we are trying to be non-punitive with our kids and we're being punitive with ourselves, it's just 
continuing, like all those neurons are firing, continuing to really firm up neural pathways of being punitive. And so part of what self-compassion does for you is in outside moments, outside of the moment of your kid, you are practicing and exercising your self-compassion muscle. You are breaking neural pathways. You're noticing where are the neural pathways of shame, blame, and guilt in my body? What are the stories that I continually tell myself? And are they true? And what would happen if I just added a layer of compassion here in this Mm. moment? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so really the, this work is practicing outside of the moment, just like I don't know if any of you are runners. I am not. But if you were and you were going to go run a marathon, you would not just like be like, hmm, I think I'm going to go run the Boston Marathon today. <laughs> like, no, you wouldn't do that. Right. And so and then we expect ourselves to be like cool, calm, collected, poised, confident leaders with our kids in the moment when they're doing the thing that we used to get spanked for. Like, no, we got, we, and like, that's running the marathon. That's expecting that I can go out tomorrow and run the Boston Marathon and win. Right. Can't do that. No, you got to train yourself outside of the moment. You've got to exercise your self compassion moments in time or self compassion muscles in moments where it's easy, where there's no, like, very little resistance so that it's accessible, so that those muscles, those neural pathways are accessible to you in the moment when things are hard with your kids. And even that, that that even extends to our children. It's like when they're when you're trying to teach them something, you don't teach them when they're dysregulated. You teach them when you're both regulated. So then they're able yes. to access access that information when it is time when they are having a hard moment, and you're trying to bring them back to neutral. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yes. And Veronica, you hit on it there. We know this about this is how people learn. We don't teach people when they're dysregulated how to be regulated, right? Right. right. Why wouldn't that be true of parents too? Of course it is. And then, and at the same time, we're so hard on ourselves of why can't I get this? You know, why, why do I keep not being able to stay calm when my kids are upset? Like, we're, we're practicing in the wrong moments. You're waiting, mm. we're waiting until the kids are upset, they, until the kids are struggling to, you know, to jump in and try these new skills out, we got to practice it. it. It all has to happen ahead of time when we're, you know, when we're well-regulated and have access to those executive functioning skills that we need to learn something new, to take on a new skill. What would you say to people who are like, well, that sounds great. It also sounds like a lot of work and like pushing <laughs> up against yourself and all of these resistance. It's like, what are the benefits to doing this work where you're going to see, you know, besides like, yeah, it's nice to have self-compassion, but if you don't feel like you deserve it, then it's like, there's got to be something else that's motivating that 
shift. And I think often for parents, it's like, well, if it benefits my child, then I'll do the hard work, <laughs> you know, but it's like really hard for us to allow that for our own. So what would you say are like the results of this kind of work? What will you see on the other side? Absolutely. Well, first, I just want to like dispel the myth that this takes a lot of time. It absolutely does not. So it, can I do that first and then we'll answer? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Like with all of my clients and all of my programs, I actually recommend that you don't have a self-compassion meditation practice that is longer than five minutes. So mm-hmm. all of my practices are five minutes long. I want you to be able to microdose <laughs> with <laughs> self-compassion. And so that's what I want you doing. I don't, I don't want I don't want, I mean, if you can do a 20 minute meditation and feel good about it and not beat yourself up on the days that you miss it, great. But most parents can't. Most parents are really hard on themselves when they miss it. And so I actually, like, I recommend having a, like a five little, five line self-compassion meditation as the background on your phone so that when you're waiting in line at the grocery store, instead of scrolling Instagram, you just do that real quick. And you're waiting in line at the grocery store. It's maybe 60 seconds. And that is enough work. It it is not a lot of extra time. And then the other thing that you can be doing, so we're talking about exercising and not, you know, just thinking you're going to go out and run a marathon. Choose little moments in your time, in your day where you can be kind to yourself. Oh, you spilled the, you know, like I, this, this morning I was filling up a water glass and I was chatting with the girls and I was, we were having such a good conversation that I didn't wasn't paying attention to the water glass and I overfilled it. Does that ever happen to anybody else? We're we're human. We all make mistakes, right? And so in that moment, when that water glass is overflowing, that was an opportunity for myself to be kind to myself. Like, and those are all every day. There's all of these things that we are human. So we, we, we trip on the step going upstairs. We forget to send a second snack on, you know, the third Tuesday of the month to the kids because they have late night that day. You know, like we do all sorts of little mistakes and each and every one of them is an opportunity to not just practice self-compassion for ourselves. Mm. Like, whoops, yep, there it was. I made a mistake. I'm human. Good, good. It's good to know that I'm human. I So we not just practice it for ourselves, but we model it for our kids. Mm -hmm. Well, I love the metaphor of your cup overfloweth (laughs) with all this like (laughs) (laughs) self-compassion. Yeah. But you know, what's really powerful. So I have a a little story. Can I tell a little story? I know we don't have a lot of time. Oh, goodness. Okay. You know, (laughs) spills happen, you know, and I, when I grew up in my home, spills seemed like a, a disaster. They seemed like an emergency. That's how it was treated in my home. I don't think my parents meant it that way but it's how it was treated. And that's, I always had this flash of shame, you know, that warm flush of shame come over me when that, when that happened. And that was one thing that I knew was coming for me in parenting spills happen all the day time. And I really wanted to be conscious and choose not to pass that on to my kids. And so anytime they spell like, oops, let's clean it up. No problem. Spills happen, you know, like just over and over and over again. Earlier this spring, I was filling up the bathtub to take a bath because i that's one of my favorite self-care things, a nice long bath ritual. I was filling it up, but I was also talking to a friend on the phone and I forgot that I was filling up my bathtub and I totally overflowed the bathtub and water was running. It was dripping oh down. <laughs> it was a big mess. And I was almost frozen in that flush of shame, that warm flush of shame. And do you know what my kids mm. did? They mm. said, oh, there's water. Let's clean it up, mama. And they ran and got our beach towels and just started mopping it up. Mm. It was nothing. It, 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 was, right. it was a non-event. 
Mm. And not like there was no shame, there was no blame. It was completely like oh, we're human. We like make mistakes. Cause and oh, effect. Yeah, like it just it was just like oh, we all make mistakes. No big deal. Like let's just right. clean it up. We'll work together. Right. We're a team. I, I and I was like oh, phew, I, I did so. I. That that was a big parenting win. Like yes, 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 yes. And like to have that reflected back to you where it's like, oh yes, this is what I teach them and they're teaching me back. Yes. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, like those are those everyday moments are so powerful for yourself too, to be like, oh yeah, I don't have to be hard on myself. Well, right now, like this happened, like a million people in the world have overfilled a bathtub before. Like it's probably not gonna kill anybody. <laughs> you know, it's I'm probably okay. I'm probably not a terrible person for having made this one simple mistake that anybody can make. Like you're not your mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's, but then like, that's the powerful piece of it though. So I like, if you're looking for the benefits Mm -hmm. then, you know, well, first of all, wouldn't it be just so nice to not walk through your life being harsh on yourself to like not feel the pressure of needing to be perfect anymore to understand that even if you do make a mistake, you're going to be okay. You're going to be loved. You're worthy and lovable just as you are. Like that would feel really lovely, but also wouldn't it be so lovely if your kids knew that? Wouldn't Mm -hmm. it be so wonderful to put adults out into the world who are quite confident in their, their lovability that, that they will make mistakes. They will learn from them and they will, you know, move in, move into this world as, just really grounded humans who know mm-hmm. who they are and who love themselves. So I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I, I mean, I want that for my kids and I can't expect them to get it. If I'm sitting here in a puddle of self-hate, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't because kids learn what they see. Right. And so in one or two sentences, what do you want us to take away from this unspoken area of your expertise? To be kind to yourself, to just recognize that, you were little once too. You were deserving of grace, compassion, time, and patience, and you still are. Right? Humans mm. in general need time. We need time to learn new things. We need practice to learn new things. And it's okay for your growth to take time, take to take mm. the time it needs. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I just think there's something about your entire energy that just really helps take, you know, it's like one thing to say it, but it's another thing to just really feel it. And I so appreciate that about you and the work that you do in the world and just, you know, speaking to you on your podcast and seeing what you do on Instagram and, you know, you're just, you have so, you are so just good people sharing such deep information that feels, you make it accessible. And so thank you so much for the work you do for parents. Oh my gosh, you're making me cry. That's so sweet. <laughs> Here, thank you. <laughs> so we love to hear, you know, more stories about you and your parenting and just how all of this work shows up in your life because it's, you know, the that is the underlying of everything. What would you say, like specifically, we've talked about it kind of in general terms, but what would you say specifically is one of the ways that you are, something that you're doing differently in your parenting journey than your parents did with you? Well, I'm not using timeouts. <laughs> I am not. So my parents were really concerned with consistency with, you know, if they laid out a punishment that they, you know, that they later regretted, they were going to stick to it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm not afraid to admit that I was wrong, to walk something back, 
to reconsider a stance in my parenting. So it's definitely more collaborative. Yeah, my, my parents were wonderful. They were loving and they continue to be wonderful. We we have an ever deepening relationship. And there are things that I wish were different that didn't work for me. And then the other thing was that I was a highly sensitive kid. I I do, you know, my emotions were not well tolerated. My high <laughs> intense emotions weren't well tolerated in my house. And so that is something that all feelings are welcomed and accepted mm-hmm. the full range of human expression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Human emotion is it has a place in my home. And I love that. Yeah. And how do you and your partner um, overcome conflict? Oh, I mean, we get defensive. You know, I mean, <laughs> like we're humans. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, we we work really hard to be conscious in our in our disagreements. We recognize that there are times where we are not going to see eye to eye. We have differences in our parenting approach. We value each other as individuals. We value the individual gifts that each of us bring to to our family. We recognize that we will not always be exactly carbon copies of each other in our parenting and that's okay. And that when we do have something that we need to, you know, hash out or disagree with that, we're not afraid of that conflict, that that conflict actually will help us deepen our connection and understanding of each other. And that even in the midst of not seeing eye to eye, we can still be kind and respectful. Oh, and that validating one person doesn't negate your own perspective. Um, There's no truth with a capital T. He can have his truth. I can have mine. I can validate his truth without giving up my truth. Yeah. Those are the crash course and I love just it. coupling. <laughs> Does that really happen? Like, is it real? <laughs> oh, oh no, 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 no. We've been to like four different couples therapists because I, I can't, you know, this, you know, so my, my specialization is in marriage and family therapy, but I knew like, I can't be our couples therapist. So no, right. we've been to couples counseling in the past, but it's, it's a work in progress. It's noticing, you know, like just the other day we had a silly disagreement about the brand of bagels we buy <laughs> was not about the bagels. It was Poor. about me, you know, thinking I have to do it all and him thinking his work, at, you know, contribution isn't appreciated. And so we got defensive. We took a break. We clarified to the kids that we loved each other and it was all going to work out that we, you know, we're taking a time to be calm so we can be kind that conflict is part of life. Every relationship has it. And then we're going to figure it out. And then we talked three hours later when we were calm and apologized and recognized the vulnerability in each of us. Mm. <laughs> but but no, there's still like, it, oh my gosh, just like in parenting, there's still unconscious moments in coupling too. You know, they, it happens. It's you only know what you know, you, and it takes practice and time. And willingness from both yes. parties to really, you know, step yes. into that. That is something that, you know, so we got married while I was in grad school. And that was something that was a, a like on the table as a deal breaker for me. Like that if we, you know, if we get married, you will, it is a requirement. We will go to couples counseling at various points throughout our our marriage, and that's just going to have to be okay, or we're not doing it. That was a deal breaker for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like Damn. a silly deal breaker, man. <laughs> but I, I laid it on the table, and he was like, "Yep, I'm in it. I'm in for it." You know, so he's Aww. he's wonderful. He's a great partner. He's so willing to just step into the arena with me. That's so awesome. And I think my my biggest challenge is still roaring at my partner when <laughs> when something happens. Like that's where my dysregulation. Like it's so easy for me to just like gloves off, you know, with him because 
I think just because like he's an adult and he's supposed to be like the foundation piece of, of this whole thing. And, and like, I feel, and then I, you know, my dad died when I was four. So I have like mm-hmm. abandonment issues that come up when he kind of just checks out. And so listening to all this is like, it gives me hope, but it also pisses me off <laughs> that we have so many fights, <laughs> but it's well, fine. You know, Veronica, you have little kids though. You know, that con- you know, couple conflict skyrockets in the three and under age range, right? So it's, right. there's no time in a couple's marriage where they're more dissatisfied when as when they have kids that are three and under. So that's just something to just know that it's a classically hard time for couples anyway. And he's your he's an attachment figure. And so of course you get worried and concerned when he pulls away. Uh, that makes complete sense. Yeah. And yeah, I mean and we choose the one I I mean we can't go into this right now, but we do choose the partners who invite us to grow just like our kids invite us to grow, right? Our kids show us all of our little wounds where we have healing and work to do. Our partners do too. They're they are so beautiful and gifted in showing us where we have growth and healing to do. Thank you so much for being <laughs> such a great teacher. Thank you so <laughs> much. Yes. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you're, you're really showing me right here. Here it is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love all that. Thank you for saying that. That really, I didn't even realize that I was, I'm like tearing right now. I don't, I didn't, I didn't expect to even go here, but I'm so happy that we did because it, it brings back the compassion piece mm-hmm. of, of it all, right? Like the self-compassion for me and the self-compassion for our relationship. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. And you're deserving and worthy of that, Veronica. Aww. And what are you most excited about right now? Oh my gosh. Well, it's summer here where I am and I, my kids are off school and I always really kind of unplug for the summer. So I'm, I'm really excited to have some slow, sweet days with my girls. Oh, lovely. Yeah. I know you have this amazing gift. We talked offline. What is the gift that you want to share with our listeners today? Yeah. So I have my yelling recovery workbook and this is a little workbook that with a couple different exercises that you can do. It has a self-compassion meditation in it. Just a really brief one. Again, I'm not trying to scare you (laughs) with the meditations, but, and then a couple little thought work exercises where you really are getting clear on the story you're telling yourself and can start doing some of that work and restructuring your narrative on what's going on with your kiddos. And you can use it even like it's called a yelling recovery workbook, but you can use it anytime you felt unruffled or lost your cool with your kids or your partner. It's not just for parenting. So the the tools can be used across settings and relationships. Amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, so, yeah, great. And you'll have the link in the show notes to that, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so this last section is called Mama Has a Minute. It's meant to be short and sweet. Are you ready? Okay, got it. What is your favorite form of self-care? Watercolor painting. Ooh. What is the best parenting advice you've ever received? No kid wants to do poorly. They just need support and guidance to be successful. Mm. Share your favorite parenting hack. Okay. So I don't know if I believe in parenting hacks, but my favorite mom life organization hack is to keep my socks, my kids' socks in a bin by the door. What is one product your children cannot live without? Fresh air, mother nature, being outside. (laughs) Recommend one. That's not a product, (laughs) but... But it's the best. (laughs) Recommend one book and share why. Oh, The Rabbit Listened. If you want to know how to be an empathetic parent, that's your guidebook. It's a children's book, but every parent should read it over and over again. 
And finally, share what motherhood means to you and the best way we can be in touch. Growing up alongside my kids is what it means to me. And I hope that you'll come and listen to me at the Balanced Parent Podcast. My website is laurafroyan.com and you can come hang out with me on Instagram at laurafroyanphd. You are amazing. You're so amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for sharing your wisdom and just your energy here. You know, you, you bring just so much like a calming, but like calming and empowering presence. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was great. Oh my gosh. She is such great vibes. I love her. Yeah, I know. I just, just her energy. Like I said, she just brings so much to the table and there's not a wasted word and she really just pulls you into what is possible, which I love. And you know that she walks the walk, talks the talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My favorite thing about this whole thing is like when you become curious, you create the space for something that a thought that you thought was absolute. It just creates a little bit of an open door to be like, maybe it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe it is, maybe it's something else. And just that little crack is just like dipping your toe in, you know, just to like make something not so finite. Yeah, it's so true. And it, I think it, it just comes with this assumption that people are willing to be curious, but so many times people, it's very hard to get to that space. So once you can even just get to being curious and let go of these hard rules that we hold on to because we feel like otherwise we'll like fail or things will fall apart. And if we can let go a little bit and start letting that light into the cracks, like you said, like that is where, that is where we start to see the possibility and start to see real shifting. And I think that's such a great highlight. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, even just like when you think about, you don't even have to have the pressure of answering the question, but mm-hmm. just like, is that true? Just mm-hmm. questioning it is enough to right. make, you know, so just because a lot of times, especially when you're starting on this like self-compassion path, like sometimes maybe you don't want to hear the answers because, you know, you don't want to, seeing the wounds hurts and maybe you're not ready for that. But if you just start with like, is this true? Or like, why is like, when did that happen? You know, just Mm -hmm. asking the question is enough. Right. I agree. Yay. If you love our podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You don't know how much a review helps us and helps mamas just like you find our podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.